You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Tonight, I want to share with you from the Word, about the Word, and uh, also, uh, there were three, three things I'm wanting to accomplish. Number one is how important the Word of God is to God. Number two, how important the Word of God is to us. And number three, how big is your God? Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and magnify your name. You're awesome and great and wonderful and bigger than anything that we can imagine and any words that we can say. But Lord, with our little words, we say to you, you are great, you are good, and we love you. Lord, I pray that you help us tonight as we look in your word. And would you cause your word to be alive to us and help us to receive it, put it in action, and live for you, living the word of God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Would you turn to Psalm 138, verse 2. Psalm 138, verse 2. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard update or upgrade. And it's just a little bit different. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your mercy and your truth. For you have made your word great according to all your name. You have made your word great according to all your name your name. God thinks a lot about his word and uh, what he says he will do. And his word is true and always true and always will be true. The problem is many of us don't really know his word and therefore we don't know all that he has for us, what he has given to us. We know about Jesus and we know that he loves us. But there's just a bunch of stuff in the Bible to tell us what he's like and what he thinks of his word and what he thinks of us and what he wants us to receive from his word. And so in this verse here, I have I want to read you what it says from the New International Version. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And in the King James, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The New King James Version, for you have magnified your word above all your name. The American Standard Version, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And in the Living Bible, for your promises are backed by the honor of your name. That sounds something like yea and amen, doesn't it? Hallelujah, in a, just a little bit different version there. How important is the Word of God to you? And you can answer that. You don't need to speak out loud, but you can answer that by how much time you spend in the Word. So I want to ask you tonight, think about it, don't tell me. How much time do you spend in the Word? Now there's something that's going to be up on the screen right now. It's coming soon. It'll soon be there. And it is there. 
In the New Testament, there are 260 chapters. If you read four chapters a day, it'll take you 65 days to read the New Testament. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, does it? Does that surprise you that it's that little? So here's the thing. If you start tomorrow, four chapters a day, you'll be finished by January 23rd. I'd like to challenge you to do that. Now, if you repeat that over and over and over, you could read the New Testament over five times in one year. Now, this does not include Bible study and meditation. This is just a time of reading. But you see, we need to get the Word of God in us so that God can speak it to us. And God, who wrote the Word by His Holy Spirit, He moved on men to write the Word. He moves on us when we read it and makes it alive to us. We want the Word of God to be alive. Uh, Romans 10, 17, we heard that last Sunday here. The pastor spoke about that. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And that word, word, is the word Greek word rhema. How many of you have heard of the word rhema? which means a living, now active Word of God. It's not just uh, black ink on white pages. It's God speaking His Word and making it alive in us. In December of 1971, the Lord began to continue to speak to my wife and I. We both surrendered to the Lord in 1970, and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, began to read God's Word. It became alive to us uh, and thrilling to both of us at the same time. And we felt like God was calling us into the ministry. We didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, many people think if you're called to be a missionary, you're going to Africa. Well, we didn't go to Africa, but God called us in the ministry. So we were praying and asking God about it, heard about a Bible school, and uh, up in upstate New York. And so in December of 1971, the Lord woke me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't wake up usually that early. I do now, but uh, I didn't back in those days. I slept le rather late. But the Lord woke, up, woke me up and said, get up and get ready to go to Elam. Elam was the name of the Bible school. And right with that, just immediately after that, Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And of course we heard Pastor recite that just a few minutes ago. So what we knew from that is wherever God sends us, whatever He wants us to do, He is going to enable us and He's going to provide for us. And we believed His Word. And so those two scriptures were the beginning of what I call my life scriptures. There are many more since that time. That's 50 years ago. But those were the two that God started with. And with it, we, we believed Him. God bless you. We believed God and believed His Word. And so um, we got up that day and began to think about sorting and packing and so forth. Uh, we found out that there was going to be a class starting in January, and this is December, and New York was 500 miles away, and uh, we had three children, so we had some things we needed to do. And so we sold our second car and motorcycle and got rid of some things. 
And uh, then I put a for sale sign up in the front yard to sell the house. And we really didn't get any traffic from that. Uh, however, a real estate agent came by, saw our sign. He said, I believe I can sell your house. And I said, okay, uh, how much is that gonna cost? And he told me, and I thought, no, we don't need to spend that money. And uh, so I decided to put an ad in the paper and we would sell it ourselves. And uh, he said, well, when are you leaving? I said, in a week or two. He said, what are you going to do if you don't sell the house? I said, we haven't considered that. God told us to go, so we're going. And we're trusting him to take care of that. And he looked at us like we were crazy, and he didn't get a sale. And um, as I told the congregation this morning, we may be nuts, but we're screwed onto the right bolt. <laughs> so you just remember that if anybody calls you a nut. Okay, so uh, my wife had a dream. And in that dream, a lady came to the house named Mrs. Bonday to purchase the house. And Sandra, that's my wife's name, Sandra said, I don't see how that can be. Because Mr. Bonday was her boss and the manager, the uh, department manager in the department store that she worked in. So she knew that they would want a house bigger and better than ours, so it didn't make sense. However, in a day or two, knocked on the door, and then standing there at our door was Mrs. Bonday, I think with her mother or mother-in-law. Mr. Bonday had been killed in a car wreck. Mrs. Bonday was looking for a small house that she could afford for her and her two children. So they bought the house. All we had to do is pay a small lawyer fee, and we packed up and headed to New York. My God shall supply all of your need through his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so those were our verses that, that we live by. Now, Psalm 119, verse 18. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. As far as God's concerned, it's settled. It's a done deal. And then Jeremiah 1, 11 and 12, that should be up soon. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. Well, the version that I have says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. God is going to be sure that his word is performed. He doesn't just speak indiscriminately. He doesn't just throw words out. But what he says, he does. How many of you have read in the New Testament and seen many times the phrase, that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet? Yes. Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 says, For the word of God is living and active. Living and active. 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you can't be thoroughly equipped for every good work without the scriptures. We need them. We need to know them. We need to be very familiar with them. One of the things that I enjoyed this morning when I was uh, speaking is I'm standing here like this, and there was this sweet young lady sitting right about there. 
or there on the front row. She had a hat on, looking real cute, you know. And I looked at her. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And I looked at her, and as I am reciting these scriptures, she is mouthing them too and smiling real big. And that's just so encouraging and so delightful because there she, you know, there are some people that pull it out of you. Well, that happened. And then I looked over this way, and there was another young lady sitting back there. And every time I recited a scripture and looked her way, she was smiling at me. And her name was Katie. So you encouraged me also. So it's just so great to see. And they're not the only ones. There were others, too. You, I could tell. You know, the, the uh, congregation was alive. The congregation was uh, glad to be there and was involved and engaged. And it was just really, really great. And that's because of the ministry of these two folks right here and all of their helpers. And God is just so good. And, and so it's great. And now as I look out to you, I can see smiles and, yeah, nods and everything. And so that's very encouraging. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly, abundantly, is what that means, dwell within you. And that word dwell means to dwell in. It's used with the spiritual significance only, as in dwelling of God in believers, in dwelling of the Holy Spirit, in dwelling of the word of Christ, in dwelling of faith. How big is your God? By your life and action, can people tell that you serve a big God? We need to understand that we serve a big, big God. Psalm 40, verse 16. Psalm 40, verse 16. All those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified, not diminished. Not put down low, but put up high, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And the angels cried holy. That was Jesus, wasn't it? Revelation, maybe? Hallelujah. We serve a big God. We have a, serve a mighty God. He's bigger than we can imagine. But we can read the God's word, and we can find many scriptures that will tell us how big he is and how much he loves us and what he wants us to have and what he wants us to do. God is a God of more than enough. Much more. There was a king in the uh, Old Testament named Hezekiah. He was king of the southern tribes. If you, you remember, after Solomon, his son came along and he, uh, there was a, a rift between him and another guy and the kingdom was divided and there was Jeroboam and Rehoboam, and one was northern king, other southern kingdom. From then on, they were divided. Well, in Hezekiah's day, what had happened is there was a guy named Sennacherib who was the king of Assyria. And he had come and surrounded and taken captive the northern kingdoms. About six years later, he decided it was time to go to the southern tribes, surround Jerusalem, and take them. And uh, so he sent some men to go talk to the people on the wall, and uh, they were talking to them, and they were talking to them in their own language. Well, some of the leaders were there and said, hey, don't talk in their language. Use your language. We understand that. And the guy said, no, 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 you don't understand. We want them to hear. We have been sent here to let them hear because they wanted to put fear into them. They wanted to scare them. 
And one of the things that they said is, uh, from the king, uh, king had sent them to say, is uh, we're going to come in and you just surrender to us and we're going to let you live in your place and take care of all your, your produce and just live and have a great time until we come in and take you to Assyria. So they were trying to scare them. They were trying to uh, get them ready and tried to get them to give in. But Hezekiah was a man of God. In fact, the Bible says there was no one like him after or before who so wholly followed after God. And so he was a man of God. So he did two things. He went to the temple to pray, and he also sent for Isaiah. And when Isaiah came, he said, hey, don't worry. God's going to take care of this. And so then what he did is he took this letter that he had received from, Hezekiah, from Sennacherib. Now, I happen to have acquired this old document of the letter of, to Hezekiah. <laughs> well, you can see it's modern, can't you? So anyhow, this is approximately what the king said in the letter. Dear Hezekiah, greetings from King Sennacherib of Assyria. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying Jerusalem shall not be delivered unto the hand of the king of Assyria. You heard of what Assyria did to all the lands. We utterly destroyed them. Do you think you will be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? Remember these, Gozan, Haran, Reseph, Eden, Hamath, Arphad, and Savarvim. Hannah and Eva, you're next. Have a nice day. Yours truly, Sennacherib, king of Assyria. So, guess what old Hezekiah did? Hezekiah went to the temple, took the letter, and laid it out before the Lord, and began to pray and said something like, God, do you see this? Do you hear what they're saying about you and what they want to do to us? Well, of course God knew that. But the point is, he took the letter and he took it to God. Well, you know what happened? The next night, an angel of the Lord, one angel of the Lord, went in there and killed 185,000 Assyrians. And they were all dead bodies because God was there, because God did things in a huge, mighty, powerful way. Now, I would like to encourage you, perhaps you have recently got some bad news, maybe a doctor report, or maybe bills, or maybe a breakdown of something, and, and you're facing things right now. I would like for you, if it's a letter, if it's a bill, if it's a report, or if it's just something you know about, write it down on a piece of paper. And I want to invite you to take that to wherever you pray and seek God and go in your closet and lay it out before the Lord and pray and say, Father, do you see this? What are we going to do about this? And watch God move because God wants to move. God wants to help you. God wants to come in and take care of that. So when they rose early in the morning, they were all dead bodies. 
Now, I have discovered in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, there are what I call superlatives. Do you know what a superlative is? That's a strange kind of word, but it's a, it's a word that means something big, super, more than just normal. You know, like Super Bowl. Or do you remember Walmart when uh, they didn't have grocery stores, they just had the regular Walmart, and then they built the Super Walmart? And remember how big that was and how you walked inside of there, and of course, you now we go get groceries all the time from Walmart. Well, some of us do. But anyhow, the American Heritage Dictionary gives the definition of this word superlative of the highest order, quality, or degree, superior to all others. And it lists a, a big list of examples. One of them is super athlete, super model, super mom, super size, super smart, super church, like OCI, super minister, like Pastor Kenton Liz, and many other words where the word super is put in front of a word. How, uh, how many of you know anything about car engines? You remember when they came out with supercharger? What was a supercharger for? Go, Go faster. Get more out of it. So anyhow, there are words in the Bible that are these super words, that they are big words, that they describe God in a big, wonderful, powerful way. And I, I came, became aware of that first when I found them in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and one of the ways was in actually John 10.10. 10. You probably know that. The thief come but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I, but I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundantly. See, that's super. That's big. That's not just run of the mill. That's not just a little bit. Or as I said, that's not puny. That's big. Now, there's a Greek word there for that abundantly. And, that, and uh, it means super abundant in quantity, superior in quality. By uh, implication, excessive. In Luke chapter 5, there's an occasion when uh, Peter went fishing and he fished all night and they caught nothing. Jesus came along and said, did you catch anything? No, not a thing. Jesus said, well, put your net over on the other side. Well, we've tried all night, but at your word, we'll do this. Put the nets over. The nets nearly broke. The boats nearly sank. They had to call their buddies to come with their boats in order to handle such a huge amount. That's super abundant. That's big. That's bigger than usual. And remember in Mark chapter 8, there were 5,000 fed. And how many baskets full were left over? Twelve, yes. And then there was also 4,000 fed and seven baskets full of, uh, filled Oh, full of, that were over and abundant. So Jesus comes along and demonstrates superabundance, far more than enough, a big God, wonderful, and, and it's, we're talking just food. Then there are a lot of other things too, but food. Also, Jesus turned water into wine. You remember that? Well, the Bible says there were six pots of water of 20 gallons each. 
That's 120 gallons. Four quarts per gallon, that's 480 quarts. 32 ounces per quart, that's, that's 15,360 ounces. Today's standard bottle, I am told, is 25 ounces per bottle. Is that correct? They didn't fall for it either. <laughs> 15,360 divided by 25 equals 614 bottles. So Jesus made 614 bottles of wine for the party. I would say that's a super abundant amount. That was big. And we're just talking about wine. So he deals in the superabundance. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is poured out, not sprinkled. Romans 5, 17 talks about abundance of grace, not just a little bit. Romans 8, 37, But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. And there's a Greek word for conquer, which means to overcome. But then that next word, overwhelmingly conquer, that is a word added in front of that Greek word. That's H-U-P-E-R, which is equivalent to our word super. So what he did, we are super abundant conquerors. We are hyper conquerors. We are preeminently victorious, more than conquerors. Now, what I like to say when I think about being more than a conqueror, Jesus did the conquering and I walk along in the parade. <laughs> he is so good. Now, Romans 8.26 said, says, The Spirit helps our weaknesses. We are weak, but He is strong. Philippians 4.13, which I told you was one of my life scriptures, All things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all means what in the Greek? And all means, all, all means, all. you got it. And then 419, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of your need. And so we experienced that when we packed up and left to go to, to Bible school. And then after that, when God sent us out from there, God sent us from New York to Orlando, Florida, with our three children. The youngest turned 12 the day we got there. And we arrived with $30 to start our new life in Orlando, Florida. Ta-da! And you know what? God took care of us. It's an amazing thing. Let me just tell you a little of the story because it's good. We saw an ad in the paper for a house for rent. Went to look at it. Of course, you know, we haven't got any money. It turns out it's a Baptist pastor, and he is a pastoring in a city about 30 miles away and lives in a parsonage, so this house of his he's got for rent. And so uh, we talked to him about it, and he agreed to let us have it. He said, I'll tell you what, we'll make the rent due the first of the month. And this was a, probably about 12 days before the end of the month, about eight, around the 18th of the month. So he's going to let us move in and pay nothing. Well, then there's electricity. So he said, well, let's go next door to the neighbor's house that he knew. And he got on the telephone and he called the electric company. 
And I heard him say, $50? They don't need to do that. They, we'll just leave it in my name and they can pay me. We didn't tell him we didn't have any money because we were learning to follow God and listen to him. And you see, do you think it takes a lot of faith to follow God? I don't think so. I think it takes obedience. And if God tells you to do something and you do it, He's going to supply everything else. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.